Welcome to With Zero Authority. I'm Corey. And I'm Will Conway. Thanks for uh, joining us here today. Yeah. We, uh, what are we? Almost June? Yeah, we're almost in June. Oh, well, well, we are in June. We are. Oh, it started. Is it June? Is it? No, I think, I think we had a let couple it, days. Let, hold on. <laughs> we have to check a calendar. This is how really decent we are. We're, no, we're not anywhere near June. I, no, it's like three, four days. days. Okay. We're close. Yeah. It's, All right. Yeah. Spring. It's because. Coming to a close. I think it's because I think every day feels like two days because of the way that the world is now. Yeah. So. So here we are. The, it's like the whole the clock, the natural order of things. It clock. just doesn't make it's sense. Like the news used to work on like a week by week basis. There was like the story of the week. Yeah. Now there's like the story of the day or the hour. Even, it feels like you know if this were a normal world, it's what May twenty. 20- Eighth today, we'd probably still be talking about the firing of James Comey. Yeah, that and that got about three three four days. Yeah, that didn't maybe a week. That that got maybe a couple days. Yeah, but then outside of that, it received almost no coverage. I mean, the implications of that are enormous. Yeah, I mean, like, what does that tell you? A about the state of the Trump White House that nobody said, "Wait, hold on." This is something we shouldn't do. And also, what does it say about Donald Trump's position as it relates to um, the inquiry into Russian involvement in the U.S. election? Yeah, as far as like the, the administration goes, it's just more confirmation that there's nothing out of past history that you can use to predict how this administration is going to act or function. Yeah. At a staff level, at a leadership level. Like, it's just totally uncharted territory. And I'm not going to be that guy that says, oh, hey... Guess who fired their FBI director? <laughs> Richard Nixon. <laughs> like this. But like in media, that should be the tipping off point, the launching point for, like you said, two, three weeks of dialogue yeah. and conversation around the implications of this. What does it have? Like what has to happen to push a president to fire? You know, the FBI director. We should have a deep conversation about this, but instead we're just on to the next. Yeah, thing. we're on to the next thing, and. Like, we can't even talk about Trump's foreign trip because of this. Like, actually, no. Let's talk about it a little bit. Because every, some stuff we're everyone talking else about is there. not going to talk about it. Like, they're going to talk about uh, him shoving um, Montenegro's yeah. uh, in front. Uh, that really was, though, like, the three seconds of video, if you never knew a person. That's the only three seconds you would need to see to completely understand them. Yeah. And also, what I noticed about Trump's foreign trip is he seems out of his element whenever he's in any structured within any structured organization. So very awkward. If it's if it's the EU, right? If he's standing with EU leaders, EU parliamentarians, um, leaders, heads of state, uh, Macron, Merkel, um, he looks really out of place. Yeah. But if it's just him with a random head of state from the Middle East, he's a little less awkward. Um, in Saudi Arabia, he was kind of warm and friendly, but when he was in front of um, Merkel and even to some extent Macron, he seemed kind of like a child in comparison to the rest of them. Yeah, he's he, very much out of his own. He, he wasn't commanding his own... Um, his own demeanor. He didn't seem like he was present. He kind of right. seemed a bit aloof. And I think that's because he doesn't have the head of the table. Yeah. And, and I think in that position is where he's most comfortable. But why? I mean, why for, for a guy who does not enjoy really the day-to-day work of a president, right? He's, he's said that. Um, he loved his old life. Why does he want to be the, at the helm of... Of all of these uh, supranational structures, I think it's just the one chair he knows how to sit in. Yeah, I think it's the one position, the one place he's comfortable being, and that's probably his first need that he addresses is to get there, and then he, I'm assuming, deals with the rest of it. Like if he's in the chair, that he's still surrounded by Merkel and other world leaders. Yeah, I think he's still uncomfortable. I still don't think he knows how to work in that arena. Yeah, no, he was. He was faced with a lot of protests, especially yeah. in Europe. Um, and there was really not a warm welcome 
from any world leader outside of uh, Netanyahu. Yeah. Who I think sees him, this is really, as kind of, what's a nicer way to say useful idiot? <laughs> like um, an opportunity? Because yeah, that, that's a good word. Benjamin Netanyahu understands, I think, at least there, because I, I can't really speak to Europe, because Trump doesn't really have a cohesive strategy as it relates to, to relations in Europe. It was mostly campaigning and like really vague platitudes. But outside of, um, outside of that, there doesn't seem to be much of really a, um, a plan. Yeah. Uh, going forward, whether that has to do with NATO or um, the relationship with the UK going forward as they exit the EU uh, or trade relations with Germany, which became an issue. So I can really only speak to what he said when he was in Israel, which was almost nothing. Uh, right. So I think Benjamin Netanyahu sees an opening here that he has four years to do whatever he wants. And he's got, yeah, he's got someone on the other side of the ocean who's aligned publicly aligned with him and his interests absolutely um and that's the window that he needs i mean i think you had the obama administration um pushing back to say well i I appreciate your positions and your perspective on these things but we're also going to you know stand here and represent the palestinians and other human rights interests and so we're not going to just leave the door wide open for you and i think he definitely sees the trump administration as you know Carp lunch. Go and, and do as you wish, and, and we're behind you. Yeah. So my one question is, as two Americans sitting in a room somewhere in an undisclosed location, because <laughs> we're a part of the resistance. No, uh, um, it, what does it feel like to see your president on the global stage kind of making a mockery of himself? I, th- I think the part that most interests me from a substantive perspective is very different than the stuff that everyone's talking about and that it's easily noticed and pointed out and you can talk to and either make fun of him about it or um, other things. And I think that's fair game, right? Yeah. It just happens. But I think um, one of the things that needs to be talked about that we're not talking enough about are all these positions he took politically over the last two years to say, you know, the princes of the Middle East, I will be different. You will not walk all over me. Yeah, and and in the moment when it comes time to, and like this isn't even like I have a position and I want him to create outcome X. This is just from the outside and looking at a person who said, here are my principles. And then in the moment when they're given the opportunity to stand for those principles, they just fall completely over. Yeah, I mean, I had not... Yeah, this is this is a trend with him, right? Yeah, like he'll talk tough. Yeah, he's he's that kid at the playground, right? That that always is talking to everybody else, saying, "Well, when Bobby gets over here, I'm gonna <laughs> complete. I'm gonna throw him down the slide." Then Bobby comes over, he's like, "Ah, hey, Bob." Always been a good yeah. friend. Yeah, you know, so good to see you. But it, it is. I would Im- imagine that it's frustrating, right? Because we're used to having political leaders. <laughs> that embarrass us uh, (laughs) internationally. I mean, Mitt Romney did it when he was running for president. Um, George H.W. Bush quite literally threw up uh, in front of uh, the um, Japanese delegation. Um, And we don't even need to go into the various um, (laughs) just hilarity just the various moments of hilarity that uh, George Bush presented us with as viewers. Right. But, um, yes, we remember the shoe moment. Uh, <laughs> but the, the, there wasn't a lot of that, right? There was the Pope calling Donald Trump fat. Uh, but th- it's so irrelevant to, <laughs> it's, it's to Americans, right? Because we uh. don't care, right? We're kind of used to that. Sending our guy out there and our yeah. guy. If but, we're, I think... Part of us is okay with allowing them to be human. Yeah. To a certain degree. Like, we're really terrible in that when it comes to, like, humans being sexual creatures. Yeah. No, we, like we love to be, like, what? Puritans about Put it. Put that man on the cross. But, yeah. you know, like the French. Like, it's just totally understood in many European countries there are mistresses there. Like, whatever. It's not a thing that anyone genuinely 
truly gets worked up about. Yeah, but we seem to only care about that stuff. But we don't care about when they make a mockery of our state. Right. Because I think, and I think it's a part of American arrogance, right? This military arrogance that we've held since the Second World War. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah, they trash talk us, but we could, you know. It's a huge thing underpinning, like, America's fragile ego. Yeah. Right, so we came onto the world stage in the end of World War II, then the 11th hour, and ever since then, we've kind of just been default yeah. world leader. And so much of our ascension is attributed to our military might and our supposed... Instead you know, of to... Freedom. The people of America. Especially when it comes to, like, the modern world order, that was established by Franklin Delano Roosevelt, not by guns and bombs. Right. Because... If, if it were to be established by guns and bombs, you would have seen a world order defined by, you know, the U.K. coming out of the Second World War. Right, but instead you have Americans on Fourth of July running Yeah, it would have been Churchillism. I mean, these t-shirts that say back-to-back World War champions. Even, champions. I even mean, though the champions of World War One are the French and the English. Yeah, I mean, that's, but <laughs> and, that and tells you. Yeah. We always forget about them. But if you ever wanted to know how the like American public at large oh, yeah, that we feels have... about what leads to America's influence so, abroad, yeah. it's military might. So we get to do whatever we want around the world. But to your point about the inconsistency, I think that that's going to end up being a problem. right? The only place where he had to be consistent was Israel, and that's because he has to cling to some part of the Republican establishment intelligentsia, right, that supports Israel uh, regardless of the actions that they take. Yep. Um, so he knew that as long as he did that, right, that most Republican columnists, that uh, the the elite class of, of Republicans would say, well, he did a really good job there, right? He needs to have right. one win on the board, and, and, and that, was, that was kind of it. I mean, he was really – he lacked grace, uh, there, um, he he really looked like he didn't know what we, what at all he was doing. Uh, so, in that sense, it it was not a good moment for him. But to uh, to Republican columnists in uh, in cushy offices in New York City and Chicago, that was enough for them. Yeah. To, to to throw him a dime there. Well, and that's the, this moment now, right? We talked about the story of the hour. In two, three years when it comes time, like we're in a different, um, there's a different horizon that we're looking at, and that's his, you know, end of his first term. And people start asking those questions. How did he do in the first term? You know, did he uphold his campaign promises? How did he deliver? You know, I think that there's going to be a huge open window there for some people on the conservative side of politics to really, go after him and really attack him and just a list of you said a yet here happened b you said c yet here happened d yeah i think but i also think that that pushing uh, of world leaders when he you know made his way to the front yeah uh i think it was montenegro and luxembourg but you can you can correct me on that uh i think th- there's a certain segment of the population it's not large enough to win an election but there's a certain segment that's a, that's significant enough to him that voted for that. That's what they wanted. Yeah, definitely. Like I, I can assure you that 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 was shared in conservative media. People were like, look at look at the Don, you know, showing that he doesn't give a shit <laughs> about anybody. But I wonder if they see or don't see the part of that where it's just glaringly obvious that that is driven by insecurity and smallness yeah. instead of bravado, like. Dwight Eisenhower would not have, if he felt for some reason he needed to be at the front of the stage, would not have done it in that manner. He wouldn't have wanted, he wouldn't have cared enough. But even if he did, right? If he yeah. cared enough, if, if the if first his, Bush if cared enough, political if advisors Ronald Reagan cared enough, like none of them are going, pushing forward like a small, small child like yeah. he did. And it's just glaringly obvious. Like no one can get around that. No one will look at that and say that is a, I don't know. Regal is the wrong word, but that is a um, that is a strong man knowing he's strong, putting himself in the position a strong man is supposed to be in. Yeah, if he was truly a strong man, everybody would have like congregated around him. Yeah, when in, in the way that uh, Angela Merkel yeah. and and 
President Obama attract attention. Right. The second they enter the room, the gravitational pull socially changes. Right. It doesn't happen like that with Donald Trump. I think it changes. (laughs) But I think it changes in an entirely different way. Yeah. It it becomes chaos. Yeah. That's Um, that's the the scourge in the room to avoid. But let's talk about what the point of this uh, this trip was, and then let's talk about the story that was haunting him the entire time. Okay. What do you think the point of this was? I think I know he he was dodging the bullet for as long as he could. That he has to <laughs> one point in time, like someday, he has to get out there on the world stage. He has to act like the leader of the free world, not the, just the leader of the United States. So it was inevitable, and this is just the moment they chose. Why they chose to put so much of the trip into the Middle East, I don't know. Because this could have been a purely, uh, let's get NATO back on track trip. This could have been just Europe. This could have been, it was yeah, they, really they, poorly planned. They wanted to hit everything. It was like uh, uh, the Stanley McChrystal film, all right, uh, <laughs> the... The uh, the war machine where they're yeah. they're going on that tour bus it, it, that, it makes know. no sense. Yeah. Uh, they just wanted to hit every. I think it's because they just wanted to check the box, like the big boy trip, like mm. you know. So you're thinking that they tried to they wanted to get just as much of it out of the out of the way in one trip as yeah. they could. Because I, I think they want to be able to go back. We visited blind 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 blind. blind you know, Cause he was going. He was at the Vatican. He was in Munich. And he was in Israel yeah. and Saudi Arabia. That makes no sense. I wouldn't be surprised if, like, they they all of a sudden. Oh, and on Thursday we're going to Japan. Yeah. You know. It, do you Do you think they went into it with a list of goals? Yeah, political goals, not not international goals, not 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 foreign policy, policy goals. No, not okay. at all. Because they knew they'd achieve none of them. Because they believe that everybody hates them no matter what happens. They mm. believe that the world is against them, and the reality is like. A lot of people are rooting against Trump, not rooting against the United States, but rooting against Trump. Would this how different would this trip have been if Le Pen had won? Oh, oh, it would have been so different. That there would have, oh, Merkel would have been terrified. Uh, even Theresa May would be concerned. Um, <laughs> wow, that that's actually a really good question. It would have been. The balance of power in those meetings, it would have been very odd if, like, Wilders and Le Pen had won. It would have been this, it would have been, A, it would have been all about national security. Right, right. right. Uh, about the security of the, the independent European states. Mm-hmm. That would be how they referred to them. And it would be a bash EU tour. That's what it would be. It would have evolved from a... a because he, he didn't even bash NATO, right? He ended up <laughs> kind of whistling out of that one, right? right. Like walking away. Like, I never Again, said that. surprisingly. Yeah. It was, it, it, you know what? I wasn't surprised. I, I thought that that's exactly what he was going to do. Because at the end of the day, those people are not his intellectual equivalent. Yeah. The way that we're used to it being. The more you get to experience him, the less surprising it becomes. If you took just Trump after the the win and looked at his campaign promises, you would have been surprised yeah. if someone told you this would, this would be the outcome. But yeah. Well, I, I mean, I would, have been, I would have expected like a mitigated, watered-down version of it. Yeah. But a complete reversal, not at Yeah, all. at least some contention, some pushing back and forth, some... Uh, yeah, one line item trying in, to his, realign. in his policy, you know, yeah. at least some red meat if not a complete policy shift. He has achieved almost nothing. Uh, I think outside of Neil Gorsuch, or Gorsuch, Mm -hmm. this has been nothing but a shit show. In fact, we talked about how we'd still be discussing uh, Comey. We'd probably still be discussing Nunes, Devin Nunes. Um, It's just there's something new every day. And uh, the FBI expanded the probe while he was out. Uh, Congress now wants to look at every single campaign document, this Intel Committee. Uh, it's not the Intel Committee, my bad. Um, every single document. And uh, then the two reports in the Washington Post and then the report from Reuters drop Friday. Was it Friday night? I think so. Yeah, Friday or Saturday. Um, 
that states that Jared Kushner was the Washington Post's uh, articles state Jared Kushner is a, a subject of interest in uh, that there's increased scrutiny is how they put it on Jared Kushner and then Reuters says that he contacted uh, Russia on several occasions uh, Russian uh, the Russian ambassador Sergei Kislyak on three separate occasions and never disclosed that information so when were when were the dates roughly of those three points of contact were they all post um, swearing in or were they prior they were all prior to his being okay. sworn in Okay. Which makes it Kissinger-esque, yeah, right. Like the the famous story with uh, Henry Kissinger trying to derail peace negotiations in South Vietnam to ensure that it's still a campaign issue. This is different, right? This is this is Jared Kushner, not not even anybody with any official title at at this point, right? Right. It would be like right. if Obama sent. Uh, Ellen DeGeneres. Ellen DeGeneres. I don't know. <laughs> Who, who's some celebrity? It would be like if he sent John Favreau. Sure. To to fucking uh, man, I'm all over the place. To uh, <laughs> no, no, no. To, I know exactly what you're saying. Yeah, to Iran. Yeah. Uh, while while Bush is in office, coming towards <laughs> the end of his second term. Yeah. Obama. We don't even know if he's going to win. To to. To Iraq to, to establish. Grab, yeah, to yeah. grab someone, a family friend that he trusts, sends him abroad to a country that we have very significant uh, interests with to negotiate on behalf of the country. You yeah. haven't won the goddamn presidency yet. You're not even in a position of power. Um, and you're directly contradicting and going against whoever is yeah, in the no, office just at that time. The, the interactions themselves, it, it, it's insulting not only because it violates the policy of one presidency at a time, sure. but it's also insulting the people that he's sending. Yeah, He's not even sending individuals who have any experience in foreign policy whatsoever. Like if he had sent his – if so the same thing occurred during the, um, the transition, right? Um, he sent Jared Kushner to an undisclosed location. We still don't know. It. I, they think it, whatever. I'm not going to jump I into not it. Details that aren't all that yeah. important right now. Um, to try to establish, this was the Reuters article, to try to establish a back channel. Back channels are fine. Sure. But this was different because the, back channel, the purpose of the back channel was to circumvent U.S. intelligence during the transition. Yeah. I, I, I have nothing to say. And they were going to be using Russian communication lines to do this. That makes no sense. Oh, it makes perfect sense. I I mean, it makes no sense for for someone who isn't guilty of... of, um, Well, let's throw guilt out of it for the moment. Unpatriotic. Let's let's just think about why Uh, Trump specifically would, would want this outcome. He wants a communication channel with Russia over whatever combination of undersea cables, wires, and satellite um, the U.S. intelligence can't monitor. Um, he wants to continue the relationships and the deals that he's had for decades now. And he knows that the, U- the U.S. intelligence community has a constitutional slash, you know, oath of office slash legal obligation to put the interest of the country over the interest of the president. Absolutely. And so this is just another piece of evidence that shows he's attempting to run this country the same way he's run his businesses, which is a tight stranglehold over all the players involved because it puts loyal people in positions of power and influence. Yeah. And he controls all the, all the strings of the puppet. I saw John Kelly this morning on Meet the Press because that's literally the only thing I can watch now. Um, <laughs> uh, Jesus. I've never seen John Kelly... I, I, a, I mean, he's he was supposed to be understood as like a non-political general. Mm. I mean, there really isn't one after after uh, Schwarzkopf and to some extent McChrystal. Um, there really isn't a four-star general that's not political anymore, but or at least politically keen. Um, but he was defending Jared Kushner. 
you know, it's fine to defend the actions of a president, the actions of your department, the actions of your co-equal departments, but to defend an individual that's just merely an advisor to the president, don't, don't get involved in those things. Just say you don't have a comment. But he went out there and says, really smart guy. He sounded, it, it, he sounded as if Donald Trump had I messaged him bullet points <laughs> of like great things to say about his make sure to mention this and that yeah about my great son-in-law yeah it it made no sense well so let's play devil's advocate here a bit because oftentimes we think we have the facts up front and they turn out to be different in the long run let's say this is not uh, done with the intention of having a communication t- uh, channel that's outside of monitoring by intelligence community sure the intelligence community is this still as bad or is this just another back channel outside of the existing back channels, and that's okay. It still is bad because it's utilizing primarily uh, Russian hardware. That'd be the only problem. Yeah. Is is that <laughs> U.S. communications, okay, th- there are a handful of names for back. I hate the word back channel, but I've forgotten every other, uh, <laughs> every other uh, diplomatic uh, specific term. It's the bat phone. So, it's the red bat phone. Yeah. He wants the red phone. Uh, phone to the pope he was probably surprised when he when he got there and he's like where's where's the phone yeah i, can't call, the, I can't call the pope when where's I the big button that says nuke <laughs> um <laughs> it, it, it's really surprising um to think that anybody no, no matter what the circumstances are that this is normal the individuals involved should be a red flag that it's jared kushner wanting to establish this jared kushner and if it turns out to be true, Michael Flynn, the director of national intelligence, or to be the to be direct at the to time. Be DNI, yeah. yeah, at the time, thinks that it's a good idea. First of all, he's the worst DNI in history. But this isn't them operating independently. This is them carrying out what Trump wants done. Absolutely. Yeah. So, I mean, is it anything more than just a bit embarrassing that these are the this is the person that's been chosen to do this, and we would like it to be someone who's a bit more professional and experienced and skilled? Or is there risk beyond that? There's risk beyond that. It, it, if it was, well, I guess you could say even DHS. Let's say DHS wanted this, right? Yeah. They wanted this this uh, communication with Russia that um, was secure, right? Sure. Like, like our deconfliction channel, which is still operating, even though Russia said they terminated it on their end. Um, that's fine. Right, those things need to exist. So let's say it was a means by which the United States and Russia could share some intelligence for the sake of counterterrorism in uh, Europe and the United States. Yep, that would make sense, right? Um, because neither of these players—well, maybe Putin—but we could talk about his mentality later. Uh, neither of these players, let's say, uh, want either of these. Uh, they don't want each other to be subjected subject to terrorism, right? So let's say they establish this 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 uh, back channel, and it's only to share intelligence. Why? First of all, the director of national intelligence wouldn't like this idea at all. Right. The, right. That that there are individuals in the White House or not that can contact uh, entities at the FSB and only be monitored on one end, and the fact that. It's only monitored on one end means that this is only beneficial to the Federation and not to the United States. Yep. So it makes it would make no sense for, for the DNI to be there. But there's no there's not a ton of indicators that say Mike Flynn was president yep. uh, was my, uh, was present. So who knows? And and if it's Jared Kushner, that 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 makes it so much worse because he's just yeah. he looks like he's twenty five <laughs> and that his dad bought him a Rolex and a J Crew. But that's yeah. at the that's at the the low end of the the, the things that actually matter substantively. I oh, mean, I think it matters. What he looks like. Jared I mean, Kushner. there are implications for that. But the three biggest red flags, it sounds like here, are the the biggest one, of course, being the possibility that the intentions here were to establish communication that the U.S. intelligence community and couldn't. Can I just add one more thing? Sure. To the, I think this might actually be the most damning. It's the fact that he didn't disclose it. It, disclose it, right? So within, yeah, in, in the his, Joint Chiefs or the intelligence apparatus, he didn't disclose it in any of the, uh, the 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 multiple checks that individuals need to do. Sometimes there will be problems, right? Where uh, on these forms they ask you, uh, "Have you ever been arrested by the police?" 
and you don't remember that when you were 14, you were arrested because you were uh, drunk. Uh, I see what you're saying. In, uh, th- th- yeah. That's an oversight. When transitioning from yeah. candidate Civilian Trump life. to President Trump. Civilian life to well, I mean, being an advisor of the president. This is just the most recent thing on that list of things that they didn't mention. So why – but Jared but Jared Kushner, why didn't he mention it? Why is he trying to hide that this ever happened? But like that – that is the pattern we've seen from everyone that's involved with Trump thus far. You say as little as you possibly need to. And then you use everyone from Sessions to a staff of an army of lawyers to back up and substantiate the idea yeah. why you didn't say anything. I mean, we still live in a world where he hasn't revealed any of his tax returns. Yeah. And there's no, there's no rational support for that. There's no, there's no way you can back that up. Um, that should be being pushed and pushed and pushed and pushed. So I imagine that it comes back to a general position and a general strategy for Trump and his, his people. Yeah, I'm slowly loyal losing cadre. my mind over this. Because yeah. it's just, it's it's extraordinarily frustrating to think that, well, first of all, it's not surprising that a bunch of rich kids from New York think that the second they walk into the White House, the world revolves around them and they control the entire apparatus of the United well, States. Well, the world's Federal always revolved around them. <laughs> it's just coincidence. It's incidental now that it happened to be at the White House. Psychology with Corey. <laughs> Episode no. one. We would definitely lose our, I think, 20 subscribers. Our, our five, we our five active subscribers. <laughs> um, thank, thanks, thanks, Dan. <laughs> um, so it's certainly concerning on one end that Jared Kushner is in this position, right? Because it's somebody that is in the inner, 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 inner orbit of not just the Oval Office, but even more so the Trump family, right? So now this is going to be a test of loyalty for everybody, right? What you say about Jared Kushner, no matter how damning these reports become, if you want to keep your job, you are going to have to stand by Jared Kushner. Mm -hmm. And this is the problem with nepotism across the board. You can't fire the boss's kid or the boss's son-in-law, kid-in-law. That's what it's problem with a, a, a inner circle built around loyalty because every person is an extension of the guy at the top, and so Kushner is untouchable. And even more so beyond that, right? So Mike Flynn's lawyers are making the case that he has something to tell these committees, right? Right? He's vying for immunity very early in an investigation, and yep. sometimes you do that. You make, well. you make a public. You make a public uh, claim for for uh, for immunity. Well, Comey's not not requesting legal immunity, if I understand correctly. No, correct. But he is. Um, yeah, he's he said he's willing to testify. Yeah, he's saying bring me into the yeah, bring me into the the hearing room. Yeah, so and let's have can, a conversation. Absolutely, and I I think if I were James Comey, I'd want to do that. Absolutely, to solidify. My I mean, he's intel- he's an intelligent man, intelligent enough that he left a paper trail. Um, I yeah. think it, to some degree because he's a person that. It's probably a combination of care, cares about his nerd. legacy and cares about the work that he's done. Because while you and I definitely would disagree with him on a number of policy issues, yeah, um, he's always been a professional person. He's always been someone who seemed to be principled and fought to stand by those principles. Yeah, and I think this is another negative consequence of that strategy of having an inner circle of just loyalists. Is that once you actually don't hold up your end of the bargain and you send them out for slaughter. Um, the lo- you get the opposite of loyalty. Yeah, and here's a, the thing I also noticed. If you look at, so the various faces that have declined positions at the Trump White House, it's probably people who weren't going to be loyal to Donald, not to the, the office of the presidency. Donald Trump doesn't care about that office. No. He cares about himself. And uh, it was probably individuals who believed that the nature of accepting this job would be transactional. Like, I give you this, uh, you're now a sworn vassal yeah. of, of my kingdom. And that's not how the federal government operates. That feels like a really accurate way of describing Spicer and describing um, Kellyanne, the relationship there between those two and Trump. Yeah, because, I mean, even for people saying, oh, well, well Mike Pence, so that, 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 that's, that's the next person that, you know, he's, he's playing the long game. He's going to be president of the United States. Absolutely not. And the thing is, I hear it both on the left and the moderate right. 
Um, but let's remember, Mike Pence's career was over when he accepted the position to uh, be the uh, vice presidential candidate. So without Donald Trump, he wouldn't have a career. And I can assure you, if Donald Trump knows anything, he knows that. So he knows that he's owed something mm-hmm. from Mike Pence. And I can assure you, Mike Pence also knows that. Yeah. So, you know, Mike Pence might, might right now be out of the fray, kind of in this protected zone, because he is um, the vice president. He's, this, he's not the second most powerful person. But he, right in the chopping block, let's say Donald Trump does no longer exist, he would be president of the United States. That's not the reason he took this job. He did no. this to, to have one last political position <laughs> before he's uh, irrelevant. And yeah, I mean, his career, his aspirations, uh, was, they were all taken from him. And here was an opportunity to get him back. Like, it's a, it's a pretty simple formula. Oh, yeah, no, it's not complicated at all. With, without Donald Trump, Mike Pence would have nothing. But let's take a look just briefly and discuss who Jared Kushner is, because he's always been classified okay. as... So a couple episodes back, I think it was the first one, uh, <laughs> we discussed Jared Kushner having a massive role in this White House, one that is probably a little too big given his qualifications. Why does he have that? It's the same thing we've said back then, and <laughs> I think today, uh, is he's loyal. Absolutely. So then... Let's take a step forward. Then let's let's play more devil's advocate, right? Sure. It's beyond just that, because uh, a dog is loyal, right? Yeah. Kushner has the the professional experience of being successful in real estate, which is something that Donald Trump identifies with, and so at some level there, I'm sure he's saying, "This guy is cut from the same cloth I am. Um, I understand him. He understands me. I can send him out there. He'll represent me well." Oh, he's also married to my daughter. There's a family relationship there as well, and. To some degree, I mean, if we looked at Kushner from the other lens, right, not from our lens, from the conservative side, I mean, he looks he looks like a successful New York professional. Yeah. And so there is there there is some appeal to Kushner. There are, I'm sure, people around the world in various countries that will just know him as for what is accompanying the dossier, right, the background write up of who he is and the resume and the CV, and he looks okay. He looks. Reasonable and professional. Yeah. Professional. So, Jared Kushner's history has... He... I think part of the reason Donald Trump uh, has furloughed so many federal responsibilities uh, when it comes to policy crafting to Jared Kushner is because I think that he's within the Trump inner circle, not just within the Trump campaign inner circle. He's not Sean Spicer or Mike Flynn. He's quite literally his son-in-law. So he's in his universe. Um, And in that sense, I think Donald Trump believes he can trust him, right? Because you and I both heard from pundits all the time, well, Donald Trump is loyal to people who are loyal to him. That's not true. Not at all. We saw Newt Gingrich get put on the chopping block Chris Christie became irrelevant, uh, and Mike Flynn yeah, had to resign. He's, Comey got fired. Comey was fired. He's he's only loyal to individuals who are loyal to him, who he has a use for. So he's loyal to you until he's not. That's not loyalty. And I think the family inner circle is probably the closest you get to Trump being loyal to you if you're loyal to him. Yeah, and, and I do think Kushner is the son he never had. Like he has sons, <laughs> none of them became a version of him yeah. as much as Kushner did. Yeah, I mean, I think Trump has always wished or believed that people perceive him as an intelligent businessman. And I think he might see a little bit of an intelligent businessman in Jared Kushner in ways that he probably, but again, psychology with Will Conway, in in ways that that he doesn't see it in his sons. And that's really mean. But, uh, (laughs) But I think... You're, you're right in that I think in some ways Jared Kushner is what Donald Trump wanted to be, yeah. which is a real estate mogul who had a close relationship with his father who was 
universally respected. And it may not even be that specific, but I think there's just a basic appeal there. Yeah. So what what is where do we rank Kushner on the list of threats? For the Trump administration? Oh, a bullet to the femoral artery. Yeah. Uh, if, if this continues, there is... But what's going to derail it? I mean, and, this and, seems to be... And you have had you have had this uh, this conversation with me uh, via email, text, whatever. Um, the fact that the Trump administration has loyaled, uh, lawyered up is an important indicator. Yeah. Uh, because, remember, Trump has not listened to campaign operatives who have been in the business since the Nixon era. Uh, Roger Stone was no help. Kellyanne Conway's been no help. Paul Manafort was, in fact, Paul Manafort was the source of problems. Um, so was Kellyanne Conway. He doesn't believe any of these people, so they sit there like props until they end up having to be, pu- you know, public speakers rather than uh, advisors, right? But with Jared Kushner, that's an actual advisor. You never see Jared Kushner on television, so. If he loses Jared Kushner, if he's forced to get rid of him, he has alienated himself completely. Because do you remember two weeks ago when it was leaked that uh, Trump was looking into just firing everybody except for Jared Kushner? No, actually. Yeah, he wanted to get he wanted to clear house. Or apparently Mm. that was that was what was leaked. It it doesn't matter if it's true or not. If you're one of those people that was going to be cleared, you don't like working there anymore. If you ever did. Yeah. But that actually plays really well into supporting this idea that they're lawyering up right now because that decision is usually one of two options you're considering. Yeah. You're either cleaning house or you're doubling down. I think if they double down, it, it will be better if than cleaning Your house. first step of doubling down is lawyer up. Yeah. Because you're only considering those two options when there's real threat over the horizon. Yeah. Either real threat or organizationally your team, they haven't been able to deliver what you've wanted them to deliver yeah. on. And there is a little bit of that. I think Trump probably... Uh, categorizes that failure as a GOP failure, as a Paul Ryan failure, because he's just, mo- you know, the, the most public failures have been in trying to get legislation but, through. But it's not. I mean, the, the Trump care was a failure of uh, the Trump administration to to make this appealing to Republicans. And what it also was, sure. was it was a failure of, of um, Donald Trump to actually stand by his campaign rhetoric, right? He had stated... That nobody was going to be kicked off of healthcare, that you were going to see plans you had never seen before. Sure. The only thing that could have achieved that would have been universal coverage. I just don't think that was ever his true, like, personal position, his personal set of goals. I think those were just talking points that people told him would play well. Yeah. And so I don't, I don't think he got. I think he got into office, and I think the conversation was. Paul Ryan, go make it happen, and I'm going to move on to other things. And yeah. I think he actually was genuinely disappointed and a little bit surprised that they couldn't get a healthcare plan. Healthcare but the plan thing through. is, I don't know if he ever read it, uh, read it, and I don't know if he, of course not, he's really cons- or, or even knows what the implications of the passage of that bill. He was. won't read the presidential daily brief. There's no way he read the healthcare bill. I mean, he he employs people to do that for him. I'm sure, and I'm sure he got to some degree summaries, uh, and then he pushed back and said. I don't like what you just said. Go make this happen. But it's never to the level of detail that's needed for him to be someone that's championing that type of stuff. But anyways, we kind of segued off there. Let's let's take it back to Kushner. Being that big of a threat, assuming he's, they are lawyers. He's a massive down, threat because it's a tumor that you'll refuse to cut out. Yeah. That that's what that's what Jared Kushner is. And the more time he spends there, the more time the press spends hacking away at him. What's the likelihood he'll bow out and step away himself? If he bows out and step away, it doesn't. I mean, Mike Flynn resigned, but everybody just assumes that he fired Mike Flynn. Sure. So it doesn't matter whether or not what the truth is, right? And it didn't. And it feels like we're still in the campaign in a lot of ways. So I guess I can use this uh, this uh, comparison. It didn't matter during the campaign what the truth was. It just mattered what the essence of the truth, uh, what the essence of the story was. Yeah. What story are you telling? Yeah. yeah. So. The the story is more compelling than the truth. But they're running out of stories. Yes. Because they, they've tried to continue to tell them, and now that he's actually president, they can't be told. Yeah. Because you actually have to convince people. You actually have to, you know, get things through the Supreme Court. Yeah, and the thing is, that that very philosophy and the that very 
theory about just like public universal mindset that the truth isn't important. What people perceive to be true is right. important or what, or what people want to be true is important. Yeah. That's going to work against him. Yep. Because even if he, even if Jared Kushner comes in and says, um, you know what, Dad, uh, definitely doesn't refer to him as that. But uh, <laughs> you know what, Dad, it, it, I'm doing too much damage. Uh, I think it's time that uh, that I walk out of this um, because our our agenda won't go through. Um, and he does. The next day on MSNBC and CNN, Fox will be talking about some celebrity that tweeted uh, something. It will be the headlines on MSNBC and CNN will be Trump cans Kushner. Because mm-hmm. it doesn't matter the circumstances. At the end of the day, Trump has to agree with the resignation mm-hmm. of a staff member. In the interest of the fact that when we started this show, we talked about how we wanted one of the goals to be to leave kind of a living record from two average Joes watching this unfold. Um, I think it's really interesting. I think we should talk about the different story. Now that we're talking about stories that are being told on the conservative side of the aisle. Yeah. Right. Because you if you just listen to will and i talk you would think that this is the way the world at large kind of perceives things no, not but at all. there's something else that's polar opposite 180 degrees from the things we're describing in the perspectives we're sharing where you've got someone like rush limbaugh whose entire thrust is around um railing against this liberal effort to politically assassinate trump and prevent him from doing anything that these failures whether it be the travel ban or the inability to get health care through actually have nothing to do with Trump and the substance of his plan and instead have to do with a combination of mainstream media outlets and the political arm of the, you know, the liberals in this country, you know, existing solely to destroy this one man. You've got that message being, being uh, spun. You've got that story being told. And you also have in the, like, I think the general um, voting segment of the Republican Party where a lot of people just, are really upset that so many people are standing in his way. Yeah. This is the man they believe in. This is the man they, they wanted to get into office so he could get the things done he wanted to get it done. And they just see barriers. They don't see a president who's failing to be presidential and to lead. And maybe in some way we can talk about how the barriers legislatively to uh, to achieving the goals that the, that the uh, administration has set out to achieve are really conventional, right? Yes. A court. Institutional. Yeah, a court blocking the passage of an executive action, an executive order, um, or, or the implementation uh, right. of it. Or the White House and Paul Ryan failing to yield enough support in the House of Representatives. Those are conventional roadblocks that can be passed. Right, but instead of doing that, uh, I think there's a segment of the population that only looks at what's blocking him, and not looking at why. And Democrats spent almost drove themselves insane during the Obama years, focusing on why things can't be passed. Oh well, it's because he's a terrible public. Uh, Speaker, when it comes to explaining the bill, no, 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 no. You know, it was all these other things. It was, it was truly the beginning of the the political divide. It was was really it was set right at the election of of President Barack Obama, and we tried to find reasons, justifications outside of um, outside of just by uh, part just plain partisanship. But in this situation, it seems like now not only are we on two different sides of issues, we're talking about two different things. Yeah, two different realities. It's, it's like two different worlds with two different sets of problems. Uh, even though we share a country, uh, we share a federal budget. Yeah. Um, so it, it, it really doesn't make any sense. And to your point about Rush Limbaugh, he, what's scary about that is his viewership is declining – while Alex Jones is increasing, right. 
right? And Alex Jones used to be for crazy people, right? Left, right, it didn't matter. If you were crazy, you watched Alex Jones because he was about telling you that the government is hiding aliens here and that there's interdimensional technology that's aiding the pedophiles there. (laughs) But This is not an exaggeration, by the way. Yeah, no. These are nearly quotes. Yeah. But so what do you think? So I'm going to just jump onto the Alex Jones thread there. Uh, In court, as a part of his divorce proceedings, his lawyers come out and said, look, Mrs. Jones may be saying that Mr. Jones is batshit crazy and can't be trusted with the children, but Mr. Jones is saying that's a character. That's an act. He is telling the world that who he is on InfoWars, his his show, is completely made up and manufactured. It's a character like Seinfeld, like Bart Simpson, like any other imaginary fucking person. Do you think that changes how the world No, because the first thing I did when that headline dropped uh, was I signed on to Reddit and I went straight to the Donald. I'm terrified of 4chan. I don't go there. Um, <laughs> I, I, I just don't belong there. And I'm going to let them exist. They're, they're, they're fine. Leave me alone. Uh, it's their safe space. <laughs> um, but, yeah, so it's – the first thing I went to was, was the Donald because that's just muted 4chan. Like 4chan's crazier yep. uh, and more effective uh, than Reddit. But they were all talking about how this is a liberal conspiracy, you know. Wait, the, it's the, the lawyers? Li- yeah, that the wow. that, that he's being forced to say he doesn't believe these things. <laughs> I mean, man, talk about not not standing by your values. I'm just going to remind people: Socrates died uh, in defense of his personal philosophy. Yeah. I want to see Alex Jones accept his loss of custody in the same way that uh, that. Um, Socrates drank the poison, right? I, I want to see someone stand by, uh, stand by their beliefs. It, it doesn't matter. It, 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 these people believe whatever they want to believe, right? But back to, to, the, to, to the point I was making, it used to just be crazy, right? Crazy people. Now it's crazy and conservative. And that's a problem for the, the conservative movement. Yeah, right? for the party. Yeah. There, there is a problem on the left with like lunatic conspiracy theories that like Donald Trump is trying to take over the world, um, that he's planning to do all these evil things to the Obamas, and that stuff needs to be written off as well. Absolutely. Um, so I, I think this is not good. I think that's it's a I wonder problem how, for Republicans, not yeah. for Democrats. I wonder how much of this is Dynamics that have always existed in general social structure and order. But because of technology and because of the immediacy, because of the access we have to everything and because of our natural inclination to be drawn to sensationalist things, we just see it now where we didn't see it before. And it's always in the spotlight, but the numbers are just generally the way they've always been. But unfortunately, the conversation becomes national. The conversation about it becomes the predominant conversation and it skews the size of this thing that is sensationalist, whether it be the people in the Donald or the crazies on the left. Yeah, they've the, always been there. The, the nature of ideas that expand is they start in small circles and then get picked up by larger and larger circles. So the concern there is monitoring the expansion of this to see if it's actually larger than yeah. where it started. It probably is, right? Like the fact that conspiracy theories like Seth Rich originated on, on these internet websites like Breitbart and stuff like that. I need an education. What is Seth? Seth Rich was a guy that worked for the DNC. Uh, Primarily, he worked in voter expansion, so expanding voter turnout for the Democratic Party. He was shot to death one night in D.C. um, And all of the signs pointed to it being a... uh, And this is where I'm going to get into the liberal side of these conspiracy theories as well. Um... All of the signs pointed to it being a botched robbery. This is D.C. It's a pretty rough neighborhood outside of, outside of the uh, the granite and marble you see everywhere. Sure, it's yeah, a absolutely. pretty rough place, um, and it was a tragedy. Um, and he had just been given a jo- he was just offered a job at the Clinton uh, campaign, and he was gonna he was considering moving to to Brooklyn to to work there, um, and he was coming home. And he was shot to death, and that 
that's a tragedy, right? But the first thing that happened, like most things, is if you're somewhat connected to democratic politics, you're immediate and you die, you're immediately added to the Clinton body count. Right. Right. And you remember that site from the 90s. All the people, Vince, yeah, Vince still Foster, there. they're all added to, to this list. Yeah. The problem with this one was they believed that, and this wouldn't have happened, it's impossible because he doesn't have access to that data, that he leaked stuff to WikiLeaks, that he was the person, rather than, than Russian uh, intelligence, Russian that he did it. And Hillary Clinton sent like assassins, ninjas, to, to, to kill this man. Um and it was a tragedy that he died, right? Because he was he was a public servant. The only thing he cared about was now he he was a partisan public servant. But that's uh, that's fine. That's most public <laughs> servants. I yeah. mean, As, and he wanted to expand the voter base of the Democratic Party, uh, and that was his job. And he got hired by Hillary Clinton, and then he died. So clearly, what must have happened was Hillary Clinton must have wanted to kill him because he had information about her rigging the Democratic primary against Bernie Sanders, so she killed him. She had him killed. And the problem with this um, conspiracy theory was it actually started in Bernie Sanders' uh, Mm. chat rooms on the Internet, where all of these things start now. Um, It started there, uh, and then it spread to to, uh, far-right conservative media. Right, right. Because it fits the narrative they're telling. That was a problem. The the Bernie Sanders uh, individuals that worked for Bernie Sanders that worked on online outreach to get millennials to get out there so they'd start Facebook groups and stuff. They said they were combating uh, fake news, which I hate saying now because they like the the Trump administration owns it. They own it. Uh, they were dealing with this this uh, dissemination of false information all the time. So they had to actually just give up and shut down these pages, which damaged Bernie Sanders' ability to to reach out to, to younger voters. So it damaged everybody across the board. Um, but the problem then was, was this, this rumor then laid dormant for about a few months. It would float around on the Internet, but who cares about the Internet? That's not really the real world, right? That was what everybody would say. But then as things got worse for Donald Trump these past few weeks, Sean Hannity decides it is now time to shed light on the mysterious death of Seth Rich. And it was beyond irresponsible journalism. It to, was, it's to, not a journalistic show, though. Oh, don't worry. There were articles posted on Fox News that were journalism. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, they'd since deleted them. Um, but only after Seth Rich's family had to send a letter to Fox News saying, please stop. Yeah. So in one world, we're worrying about Russian interference in the United States election, not because we're pissed that Hillary Clinton lost, right? We are, but that's separate. Uh, uh, to- fr- two totally this. different threads. Um, but on, on the other side, they write that off by saying that we're just salty that uh, – the Don is now president, and that we're still dealing with that, and we're reeling from post-election anxiety. The yeah. real problem is that some random man who, who was one of thousands of people that worked for the DNC was shot in Washington, D.C., and that he was murdered by Hillary Clinton. Yeah. It, it goes to show how... Readily, how quickly people will grab for and embrace ideas that fit into their narratives. Is it even They're part a of your confirmation though? bias. Of course it's in there. I mean, that narrative's See, it, been going it, on it, for about 20 years that the Clintons are powerful enough and influential enough around the world and part of a larger global elite that they'll have people killed that don't suit them. A global elite that runs pedophile rings. Yeah, of, yeah. And th- out of pizza stores that don't have a basement, but exactly. in the basement that doesn't exist. But this is the thing I was talking about earlier. I mean, this this radical group of people, the people that have these radical perspectives, they've always existed. Yeah. Whether it was about something in the 1600s or today, right? For whatever set of reasons. Um, 
But this is one of the problems we're facing is that these things can be elevated. These stories, these conversations can yeah. be elevated to a point where, unfortunately, irresponsible media outlets like a Fox News will actually run stories or, about them. You know, or liberals. I'm, I'm assuming oh, there, sure. there will be a time when, when a story looks so – like the dossier, right? Yeah. That was BuzzFeed. And their justification for it, I, I kind of buy, right? There's this dossier everybody's talking about. They're just talking about it. Here's what they're talking about. That I almost can buy that because they're not saying we don't. This isn't what happened. This is just that document that they're discussing. Right. Um, that's fair. I think sure. it's not manufacturing. Yeah. Anything. Yeah. It's not. So. So. But I'm. I'm assuming that eventually there will be a story about Donald Trump that may or may not be true, but the media will decide to get because they've been right about all of these allegations before. Right. That that they're going to just jump to. Jump, you know, get out over their skis, and post this story, and it being false and completely eradicating the credibility that they have. Yeah, yeah. Because journalistic institutions need to be near perfect in order to be credible. It will eradicate their credibility with those that care about an outlet having credibility. But as we see the massive numbers of people that read Breitbart, as we see the massive number of people that tune into Hannity every night. They don't do any work. And I'm sure they're liberal liberal equivalents of these shows. Oh, absolutely. So I don't want to make this a, a partisan issue. Um, you almost cannot blame those that give the people what they want. You can blame them when they do it under the auspices of being a, a, a journalistic news outlet. But when you've got everyone from InfoWars uh, putting characters on television, acknowledging that they're characters. I mean, this is just the direction that we're heading in. Unfortunately, I think this is probably more the core issue going on is that most people don't care anymore or that they are more interested in being entertained and having their confirmation bias uh, fed to confirmed than uh, holding everyone accountable. And I, you know, honestly, I think part of that reason of why um, that they don't care to hold people accountable anymore is because they really don't have much on the line. Yeah. They don't have much to lose. And I, I have one thing that I really want to close with because um, I've, I've been wondering this for a while. And this is going to sound crazy because it's actually going to be playing into a, a Republican theory. Okay. And just let me do it because <laughs> should. <laughs> Not putting the brakes so here's, here's the here's the, the – this is the, the final Jeopardy question. Get ready for, for the music. Um, should Hillary Clinton – have asked President Obama for immunity, for pardoning, uh, for a pardoning. Should she have asked President Obama to pardon her? Should President Obama preemptively pardon her in the interest of what? She had what to tell? For, well, primarily for Benghazi or whatever these many allegations that stand against her, whether it has to do with Haiti, the Clinton Foundation, all of the things that conservatives rail on about. Should she have asked President Obama to pardon her, let's focus on Benghazi, to okay. pardon her for actions that she had taken while, sec- while being Secretary of State? Okay. That's, that's no second part to that, though. Should she have asked for a pardon because she had the integrity to bring about the truth? No, or? because... Okay, so I'm going to start the Jeopardy music over. Should she, have, <laughs> should she have asked for a presidential pardon to ensure that there was no way that Jeff Sessions could spend four years going after Hillary Clinton to try to put her behind bars? Because we have seen Donald Trump and primarily the entire right-wing political establishment begin witch hunts against Hillary Clinton to change the dialogue, but primarily to just shift public interest away from what's happening in the White House and to other things. Because if they wanted to, they could put Hillary Clinton and put the entire country through Benghazi for four years. Uh, See, I don't know about that. They've... I think Congress is tired of it. I think they've done nine committees now. I think I think it was nine before we even got Trump in office. But I think Jeff just... Sessions could do it without, without Congress. Sure. I, I think Trump's going to do enough to keep him busy with other things that okay. don't necessarily become a focal point. But 
to their question about should Hillary have asked for immunity. I guess you're saying as just a guard against whatever yeah, it is to, the Trump administration might do. To ensure that the Trump administration focuses on no, the affairs I mean, of the country. I think Clinton care believes enough in the institutions of government and the, the legal system in this country as well as her own integrity and her own having done the right things yeah. and not having done the things that she's being accused of that she wouldn't have even considered seriously yeah. the possibility of doing that. Because with pardoning someone comes the the uh, acceptance of guilt. Oh, it's pleading the fifth and settling out of court. I mean, yeah. Um, the legal records may say one thing, but public perception is probably, yeah. probably different. Yeah. Huh. Interesting. I hadn't heard that one yet. You've, I don't know, maybe I should dive into the deep end of the pool and spend more time in Donald and yeah. the it's, deep, dark recesses It's a good way to stay up all night. <laughs> it's a good way to stay up all night. My God. Well, if I become that masochistic, I'll let you know. I'm ready to torture myself that much. We'll see. Um, but okay, I think that's it for this week. Yeah. We uh, thank for, you for listening, uh, everybody. Yeah, and we'll be uh, we'll be with you next week. All right, take care.